，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Vice President Lai Qingde is on a flight to San Francisco after attending the inauguration ceremony of Paraguay's president Santiago Peña. Before leaving Paraguay, Lai held a gathering for local media. He took questions on a wide array of topics, including whether Washington trusts him and whom he might pick for running mate. Before leaving Paraguay, Vice President Lai Qingde held a press event. A reporter brought up his low-key U.S. transit, how China still saw fit to make threats and launch large-scale military exercises in the East China Sea. Could the PRC's warmongering be an attempt to intervene in Taiwan's upcoming election? That is all in line with international media reports that say China is attempting to interfere with Taiwan's election through military threats. If, on top of that, we have collaborators that work for China in Taiwan, of course they will try to sway the election's outcome to align with China's interests. It's not good at all, but I'm very confident in the people of our country. China has been making big moves in the region. Meanwhile, in Taiwan, opposition parties have argued that Lai's low-key transit shows that the U.S. doesn't trust him. Whether it's casting doubt on me or on the U.S.'s support for Taiwan, all of that is Chinese propaganda. Their goal is to undermine our relations with the U.S. This also serves to create misconceptions in Taiwanese society and ultimately influence next year's presidential and legislative elections. I have reiterated on many occasions that I will defend Taiwan's sovereignty. Lai said Beijing was trying to influence Taiwan's elections with disinformation. During his first U.S. transit, Lai was joined at all times by Taiwan's representative to Washington, Xiaobi Kim. On social media, he posted a photo of the two of them watching a game at the City Field baseball stadium. Rumors are running high that Xiao could be tapped for Lai's running mate. This time around, I came to Taiwan as a special envoy for President Tsai Ing-wen. My mission was very clear. The purpose of this trip is unrelated to the election, so naturally, I did not discuss electoral matters with Xiaobi Kim. Lai fielded sensitive questions but shied away from discussing his campaign, saying he wanted the focus to stay on Paraguay. This year in May, a construction crane fell onto the tracks of the Taizhou Metro, leading to a fatal crash that killed one and injured 14 others. Now, three months later, Taizhou City has turned to arbitration to pursue compensation from the construction firm responsible for the crane. According to a city official, two rounds of compensation talks have already failed to reach a deal. The city seeks 260 million NT from high-wealth construction based on estimated damages. Let's hear from city officials. All the vehicles are customized. They're all customized for our system. They aren't common products that stores already have in stock. So regarding compensation, we hope to be compensated in full based on the unit price stipulated in the original contract. 
Given that this was such a major accident that led both to casualties and damage to our infrastructure, from the standpoint of the city government, we need to actively pursue compensation. The construction firm might believe that the amount is too high. It may be dissatisfied about that, but there's nothing to be done. Everyone has their own position. Regarding the compensation amount, we have no comment. We will abide by the consensus reached by our two parties, which is that we'll handle this incident through arbitration. The city is insisting on the amount of its claim. Meanwhile, the construction firm says it will bear all of its rightful responsibility once liability is made clear. The two parties will next submit their nominations for arbitrators. After that, the two sides' arbitrators will convene city officials, the metro authorities and construction representatives to verify case details. The arbitration process is estimated to take three to six months. The countdown is on to 2050, when Taiwan aims to reach net zero carbon emissions, with 10,000 days remaining. The Industrial Technology Research Institute held a net zero forum and exhibition at the Green Energy Technology Demonstration Site in Shaolin, Tainan. The event brought together public officials, industry representatives, scholars and researchers who proposed groundbreaking net-zero technologies. One innovation is a microbial dye production technology that gives an alternative to chemical dyes. Indigo dye is widely used in the denim industry. Traditionally, it can only be produced using chemical synthesis. But the Industrial Technology Research Institute brought together biochemical and textile engineering technologies to change the game. Using microbe strains, Eatry can produce a low-carbon, non-toxic microbial indigo dye. This technology encompasses the dye itself, as well as the application of the dye to make yarn. The dye can also be applied to fabric. Eatry not only has a mature method of microbial dye production, it also developed a low-carbon, non-toxic, sustainable process for dye application. This dye technology already has a brand and is ready to be used by industry players. This manufacturing process cuts carbon emissions by at least 30 to 40 percent. The discharged wastewater is nearly pollution-free because it's 100 percent bio-based. This was just one technology featured in Eatry's showcase of net-zero emissions R&D. Eatry held a forum and special exhibition on net-zero technologies to foster more links among the government, industrial sector, academia and research institutes. Bring in net-zero technologies to the South's industrial sector, letting them know what technologies are available for energy saving and reducing carbon emissions, what market opportunities lie ahead as we tackle the net-zero challenge. Deputy Economics Minister Zen Wenshen attended the event. He proposed a vision for bringing net-zero concepts into daily life. We want net zero to be incorporated into production and at the same time be brought into daily life. We hope that we can open a new chapter here for net zero awareness and R&D. We hope that Shalun can be where we develop a new model of net zero living. Bringing together 25 experts and 11 associations, the forum and exhibition showcased more than 20 carbon-cutting technologies and services. It displayed innovative answers to the net zero challenge and explored exciting opportunities for development. 
And turning to the weather, a low-pressure system will bring rain to Taiwan for most of this week. The downpours began on Wednesday with four Taoyuan weather stations logging more than 100 millimeters of rainfall. Flooding was reported from multiple regions. The Central Weather Bureau says showers will persist until Saturday. Short bursts of heavy rain across the west coast are expected. From this evening onward in central and southern Taiwan until the early morning of tomorrow, it's in this period of time that we'll see a significant increase in rainfall. It will be more obvious in coastal areas and flatlands. Rainfall intensity will reach 40 millimeters an hour or beyond. On Saturday, we should start to see it taper off, but the rain won't really let up until Sunday. Besides rain brought by the low-pressure belt, another tropical storm might be on the horizon. Forecasters say a storm could form next week, but more observation is needed to determine its impact on Taiwan. Every year, hundreds of people decide to move to Taiwan from all over the world. Today, we meet a pair of newlyweds who have just tied the knot in their new home. Mr. Zhong and Miss Lai from Hong Kong fell in love with Taiwan when they visited three years ago. After the pandemic had passed, they were determined to make the beautiful island home for the next chapter of their lives. They chose the delightful coast of Jilong's Heping Island for their wedding. The couple make their vows. Mr. Zhong and Ms. Lai chose Heping Island and Jilong for the big day, making their vows among a crowd of friends and family in this spectacular landscape. They slip rings onto each other's ring fingers and share a kiss. The couple has decided to move here from Hong Kong because, three years ago, they came to Jilong for a holiday. They were astonished by the beauty of the scenery and the relaxed atmosphere. As they sat in a cafe watching the sunset, they realized it was the trip of a lifetime. So they decided to come straight back to Heping Island when the pandemic ended to make their partnership official. Heping Island represents the longing for freedom and peace. I think that when we Hong Kongers come here, we can also feel the presence of the ocean and the history and culture of Taiwan. It was extremely moving. Heping Island has always symbolized the continuation of tradition in Jilong's history. There are many stories of ethnic integration here. So being here to witness their love, I think at the same time we are also marketing the tourism of Jilong. Wedding guest and Jilong City Council Speaker Tong Ziwei was moved by the chance to offer the happy couple his blessing in this spectacular location. The newlyweds say that the freedom and peace of Taiwan was the main reason that they have chosen to make this country home. China's central bank has unexpectedly cut interest rates as authorities attempt to give support to the flagging economy. China's economic woes only deepened this week as Sino-Ocean Group became the latest developer to miss bond interest payments after Country Garden missed their payment last week. Fears about contagion risks have rippled through global markets, hurting shares and financial institutions. But according to the Financial Supervisory Commission, the exposure of Taiwanese banks to the 
two Chinese developers is, quote, limited. The FSC said Taiwan's financial sector is resilient and well-equipped to weather China's property crisis. But it emphasized that the FSC will closely monitor global markets and respond promptly to changes. Despite recent amendments to the law on rental properties, illegal errors abound in rental contracts. That's the finding of a major survey by the Consumer Protection Committee. The survey looked at 50 rental contracts used by Taiwanese rental agencies. It found more than 200 illegal errors across the board, errors that were violating renters' rights. They are related to issues such as repair of the property, early termination of the contract, and the period of rental itself. Officials say many landlords are still using shoddy contracts written before a new law came into effect four years ago that aimed to clean up the chaos of the rental market. They urge renters to be cautious when considering any contract. The Consumer Protection Committee carried out a major survey of 50 rental contracts drawn up by 25 of the 1,300 property letting agencies nationwide. A huge 219 individual errors were found across 32 contracts. Overall, 64% of the text they checked was violating regulations. In their contracts, it says the renter cannot carry out repairs without the consent of the landlord, or they will be liable for all repair costs. That means you have to agree. So that's restricting the right of the renter to carry out repairs. The illegal contracts restrict renters' rights to repair their homes or request compensation for repair costs. If a landlord or renter wants to terminate a contract early, they need to give one month's notice. Otherwise, they may need to forfeit up to one month's rent. At the end of a rental period, renter and landlord should finish up their business, handing over keys and deposits at the same time. But four years after the Rental Housing Regulation Act came into effect, there are still huge holes in many rental contracts. There are more than 7,800 rental contract cases. Before the act came in, before standardized contracts came in, the regulations were quite simple and crude. So, of course, we find that many businesses are continuing to follow the contracts that were in use before the law was changed. And that means there are quite a few errors. Landlords who persist with illegal contracts are liable to fines of up to 500,000 NT. Every year, 100,000 contracts are made, and although there is a law for it, some contracts may still be inadequate. If you're looking to rent a property, take care of your rights and read the small print before you sign on the dotted line. The 2023 Taiwan Primary School World Cup Invitational has kicked off in Taipei. Eight soccer teams from Japan, Vietnam and four other countries are competing in the three-day event. When they're not on the field, players can sample the finest fruit Taiwan has to offer. 30 stalls are set up at the tournament to showcase Taiwanese agriculture to the world. They rush about the field, breaking through the rivals' defenses. Pint-sized players from around the world are here for the 2023 Taiwan Primary School World Cup Invitational. They're competing against two home teams, the boys' team from Taichung's Xiehe Elementary School and the girls' team from Hualien's Dongli Elementary School. 
I'd like to offer a warm welcome to the teams from Thailand, Japan, Malaysia, Indonesia, Vietnam, and Taiwan. I hope all you kids here today will enjoy the competition over these next few days and get the best scores you can. Eight teams will compete over three days at the University of Taipei's Tianmu Gymnasium. The event is co-hosted by the Taiwan Good Association and the ROC Mini Soccer Association. The Agriculture and Food Agency is using the tournament to promote Taiwanese produce. The sweet smell of peaches fills the air and plump abuse rest on the table. 30 stands are selling agricultural goods from small farmers. In addition, 3,000 caddies of fruits are on offer as free samples. We got this opportunity to collaborate and help boost farmers' income. Nothing like this has ever been seen in Taiwan. It's a small soccer competition with six participating countries, but it is very meaningful. It's like we're reaching south to connect with all these Southeast Asian countries. Chairman Wang is from Zhanghua, so he has a deep understanding of the hard work that is agriculture and the daily struggles of farmers. So he contacted us about this opportunity to promote Taiwan's best quality and safest agricultural products to the world. The event will also feature a raffle. At the three-day tournament, spectators can support Taiwan's farmers by enjoying local fruit while cheering for the soccer stars of tomorrow. National Tsinghua University students have made a mark for Taiwan in the world of motorsports. Young engineers from the school built a self-driving electric race car that placed second at the Formula Student Race. Their vehicle, called the TH07, was runner-up in the skid pad event for driverless vehicles. The team is now ready to take on an event even bigger, the Formula Student in Germany. On the second place, and that is NTH Racing. When the host calls out NTHU Racing, the team rushes up to the stage, waving Taiwan's national flag. National Tsinghua University's racing team competed in this year's Formula Student in the Czech Republic, placing second in the driverless vehicle skid pad event. The driverless race car twists and turns, nimbly avoiding obstacles. This is NTHU Racing's TH07, which put on an impressive show. Getting approval to compete was a feat in itself. Last week, we completed the race in the Czech Republic. Seeing our TH07 race on the track made us very happy. It was very exciting. The TH07 took three years to build, and it's the seventh generation of a car developed by NTHU Racing. It's also Taiwan's first driverless race car. With a maximum horsepower of 107.3, it can accelerate to 100 km per hour in just 3.3 seconds. This is the first time we've installed a driverless system in an electric car. It can be driven manually and it has a driverless mode. Following its solid showing in the Czech Republic, the team is headed toward an even bigger challenge, the Formula Student in Germany. The team hopes to do even better at this major event. Today we take you to a restaurant that brings the authentic flavors of Mexico to Taipei. Restaurant owners Eddie and Joe focus on the dishes that Eddie remembers from his childhood. The Mexican heritage chef moved to Taiwan two decades ago in his early 20s. 
After meeting his future wife, he knew he wanted to make Taiwan his home. His mom's cooking was a major inspiration when the restaurant was born. Now the couple are proud to take ownership of every step in the making of their dishes. Corn flour dough is pressed into a pancake, spread out flat and grilled until the delicious scent of corn fills the air. A golden crispy fried fish is placed on top, followed by slices of purple cabbage, cheese, coriander and salsa sauce. Finally, it's time for a squeeze of lemon. This fresh and flavorsome Mexican fish steak is ready to serve. The special enchilada consists of a tortilla fried in the pan until golden, rolled around Mexican spiced chicken and shredded cheese, then baked. Finally, a house tomato and vegetable sauce is drizzled on top. It's the chef's specialty. We use local southern organic corn. After we've brought it over ourselves, we boil it, stew it, grind it ourselves. We do everything ourselves. Of course, the dishes get his mom's approval, and lots of our Latino customers think this is Eddie's signature dish. Eddie was born and raised in Canada. His parents are Mexican. At the age of 23, he moved to Taiwan to teach English and coach soccer. After he met his wife Jo, he decided to settle in Taiwan for good. The couple started this business together at first as a stall on Danshui Old Street. As business continued to get better and better, eventually they opened two restaurants. I was born in Canada, but my parents are both Mexican, and we always ate Mexican food at home. So when I was a kid, my mom taught us how to make it. When I moved to Taiwan and opened the restaurant, my mom helped a lot. Joe wanted to open a cafe at first, but as an immigrant, Eddie often felt nostalgic for home cooking. That's what led them to settle on a Mexican restaurant. They often rang Eddie's mom in the early days to consult on culinary dilemmas. Now Eddie has made a name for his own instincts as a cook. Taiwan uh, There's a lot of foreign food in Taiwan because Taiwanese people are able to go out and try food from other countries. So I think it's much better now. In the beginning, there were no other Mexican restaurants. Eddie's restaurant serves up the meals he remembers from childhood, giving Taiwanese diners a taste of the real Mexico.